he, he actually asked me, he says, well, should we be giving you an honorarium for you to preach? And I said, why? It's going to come out of my giving. <laughs> they, uh, but you guys really need to be nice to Don. He's working really hard. They, uh, so in the meantime, though, we're going to, this, this sermon is a second parter to my last one that I did. Um, and you may not like me once I'm done, but let's go on. Let's start with prayer, though. Hey, Father, we thank you that we can gather in your presence and share your word and live in your word and thrive in your word. Help us as a body become more focused on what you're doing and what you want us to do with you. Help us to focus more on the lives of others in our own lives. Help us, Father, to really see what it is to walk the Christian life. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've got a couple of things really going good for me. Since Don's not here, I got to start earlier. Okay? The other one is, the clock back there is broke. Somebody really ought to put batteries in it, but if you don't mind me, just keep on going. Because right now, it says forever that I've got a lot of time. So anyway, so uh, we're talking about giving your life away today. Now, let's go back to basics. What's the purpose of our church? Come on. Love God. Love others. Sir, get it together. Love God. Love others. Serve our world. It's not hard. We're committed to loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? We're called to love others because if we're not loving others, that's evidence that we're not followers of Christ. And we're called to serve our world. I've got a couple of verses on that one. Here we are. Look at Mark 10. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life away as a ransom for the many. And then in John 20. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So one of the neat things that we learn about the church is that Christianity is a verb and not a noun. Now, that's an important distinction to make and for us to understand because, see, a noun identifies... Now, this is what I learned. In, in, do I have school teachers here that are probably going to correct me somewhere along the line? But, but identifies a person, place, or thing. Right? Person, place, or thing. All right? But a noun demonstrates action. It actually is looking at the, the object of, uh, of the... Se- did, I say, did I do it wrong? A verb demonstrates action. Oh, I said noun. And I even got it highlighted there. You would think. I'm getting old. Okay. Anyway, a verb is a word that describes what the subject of the sentence is doing. So the thing is, when we talk about being a Christian, now, we've got a problem with that because all that does is stick a label on you. All right? Anybody can go around and say, I'm a Christian. Big deal. All right? So really, it would be improper to define you as a Christian because it's just a label. Because labels, by the way, don't go to heaven. Did you know that? Okay? It's really simple. Only followers of Jesus do. Only those who live in the Word of God do. So it would be more correct to ask you, are, not are you a Christian, but are you Christianing? Although that's not really a verb, that's a participle. But anyway, they, 
But, but you need action there. You need, to, you need to be able to look at the word and as you're identifying yourself. And so there's a place to see the noun. But I don't know if the noun is true if there's not an ing at the end of it. What are you doing that is the evidence of living in Christ? Now, doing alone does not get you into heaven. We know that, right? For apart from the blood, apart from a personal commitment of your life to Jesus Christ, you ain't going there. But on the other side, if you're not doing, how can you say you're knowing? You see, that's pretty well connected for us today. So, I'm so excited. See, today, we're going to talk about that part of the Christian life that we describe as giving. Money. <laughs> tithing. Say, Jack, this is Christmas! How dare you talk about such a thing? Hey, back up. Did you know that December is the month of giving? This is the day that we celebrate, or Christmas is the day that we celebrate the Father giving us His Son that you and I can have eternal life. Christmas is all about what we are giving to others to bless them. And a lot of times, just because it's fun to give, it was so much fun yesterday just watching all the cars lined up. You know, Gary just said, you know, we had, you know, those cars out in the park. There were four lanes of cars on the other side of the um, light standards. And then it go, and then when it turned around, he said, you know, went down the street. Tell you how far it was. Robert was at the very end. I could barely see somebody standing there. That's how far down, Sue, the line went. We had more people in line than we had food to give out. Okay. And so when we do these things and, and the amount of people there and just the joy that we had in giving and, and serving and doing, folks, that's really what being a believer is about. And so let me jump into this because I want to share with you from 2 Corinthians because what I want to talk about is not only what you're doing now, but what you're planning on doing next year in Christ with your finances because it's a part of what defines you as a believer. So let's see what happens with this. So we're in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. By the way, Corinth was not a sharp church. Can I just tell you that? Uh, Paul had more problems with this church than he did any of the others, but he's actually talking about something good here. Now, it's superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. They're taking up an offering in Asia, the churches in Asia, for the Jerusalem church because of the poverty and the um, famine that happened in the land during that time. Superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia. So, Macedonia, uh, let's see. So here's Israel. Draw a backward C. All right, Israel, Syria. Over here, Macedonia. Over here, where Athens is. All right, there's Corinth. Right, right across the way there near the water. Uh, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not be empty in this manner. Sidebar there. Uh, he's basically saying, 
man, you better be ready because we're coming to collect. And if you're not ready, it's going to be really embarrassing. Here we go. So that may, uh, you may be ready. As I said to you otherwise, if some of the Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance uh, for the gift that you have promised. So this giving that they're doing to, for the, the poverty, for the support of the saints in Jerusalem, they already said we're going to do this. They're coming now to collect the money, and Paul's just checking, hey, are you guys ready? The point is this, verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, that's important, not reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound, there's the ministry, you may abound in every good work. What does God want for your life? For you to abound in every good work. And God set it up for you to be able to do that. Now, that's what we're jumping into. As it is written, he has, freely, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. 10. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched. Do you hear all the positive things that are coming out of this? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. I'll say that one again just in case you missed it. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your, ooh, this is a key word, submission. That comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them, for all others, and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And we're going, wait a second, what's happening here? See, New Hope, we, 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 most, most of us know one another, right? Most of us have been here for a while, right? You do recognize we're not the church we were two years ago. We're not. Okay? We're growing. We're different. We've had people move out of state. We've had people come in. I mean, we're not the same people. But I'm sort of wondering, just Jack Bracey stuff, I'm sort of wondering whether or not you sort of think we're still who we were and not thinking about who God wants you still to be and what God has for you in the future and what, how God wants to shape your life and how God wants to shape your ministry. See, the point of this passage is that Paul didn't just want the church to give, he wanted their hearts changed as they were giving. Enter Project Hope. Now, he has two principles here. Principle number one, it's really simple, give generously. When you give, when you have an opportunity to give, 
Give generously. He's, in verse 6, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In your notes, make sure you circle that. Make sure that you focus on that. Spend time with it this week. Uh, some neat things are going to come hap happen out of it. See, giving needs to others builds spiritual results in their life and in your life. How many of you are old enough? Ooh, that's a scary thing to say. Or been here long enough, however you want to look at it. When we first did our first Project Hope, our first Project Hope, first Project Hope, okay, we had those partitions down, okay, we had chairs here, we, had, we, we put chairs everywhere we could. We probably had about somewhere about 225 people in here. Huh? I'm not going to say it. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> they, no. You know what his nickname is, right? Baby Jesus. Just letting you know. This? See, what was that, 2000? 99? That's close. Yeah, that's close. You are getting older, baby Jesus. Just let you know. We had a real baby Jesus. Anyway, back to Project Hope. So the thing is, we, we did the program, and we, we did the invitation, had great response. I don't know, about 40, 50 people responding. Uh, and then it came time to pass out uh, tickets for, for, for them to go get uh, their uh, bags of food. Instead of doing like we did here, we gave everybody that came in had a ticket. They could go get, get theirs. The problem was... We only had about 80 bags of food, and there was about 120 uh, families that needed food. Can you guys do the math? I literally had to walk through the rows and pick who to give food to and who not to give food to. Okay? I mean, it was one of the most horrible moments of my life. And, and I did this, and I said, okay, the rest of you. Take out a family, then it used to be called a family sharing card, different color and all that. I said, pull one out. Okay? I want you to write on that, I owe you, put your name on it, bring it up here, I'm going to sign it. Okay? And you come here tomorrow, and I'll have your bag of food for you. Okay? And that was the only way you could do it. And, and then after they all left, the church gathered together and said, okay, guys, I need you to go shopping. And we bought another 70 bags of food that next day and brought it in and gave them out uh, because we had no idea what we were getting into. We thought we were ready, but we didn't recognize the amount of need that was going on. But I tell you what, I was never so proud of you. I mean, it was just one of those neat moments that happens in the life of the church because you saw the need and you gave generously and that's exactly what we're talking about. The problem is we've been doing this kind of thing for so long, it's now become pretty common. Put that in the back of your mind. So he, Paul identifies two kinds of sowers. Now, sower number one is what we call a tight-fisted sower. 
which is really interesting because in that day, the way the sower sowed seed, remember you got to go to the parable of the sower, the way the sower sows seeds is what we call broadcast sowing. You put your hand in the bag full of seed and you take it and you throw it out like this. The more seed you throw out, the more likelihood you're going to get a crop. The less seed you throw out, what's the likelihood of getting a crop? Oh, yeah. So can you imagine doing broadcast sowing with your hands closed? Because the idea is, no, it's my seed. I ain't giving my seed away. It's mine. Now, the other sower, so you have the tight-fisted sower, which, by the way, does not produce spiritual fruit. The other one is the person who th sows bountifully. Sows bountifully. I mean, he just, he just, it's constantly going. Now, in the parable of the sower, it, sometimes it falls on rocks, sometimes it falls on weeds. If the guy says, that's not my decision to make. I'm throwing it out there. I, I prepared my, my field. So use this illustration. Let's say that God gave you 10 acres, okay, for you to sow on. All right. You say, Jack, how big is 10 acres? That's about a property we have at the church. So from out here all the way to that house out there, go over the next two houses there, draw a line, and that big L, that's 10 acres. That's us. Okay? That's how much God gave you. And so here's the thing. The amount that you sow is going to determine the size of your crop, the size of your harvest that is going to feed your family and those who are, are your uh, dependents, those that you have influence with, that's going to take care of them for the winter season. And it all depends upon how hard you work and how much you give away on how well everybody survives. That's the illustration that Paul is talking about um, as he walks through this. Now, in America, we have a different attitude about that. I will not use the profanity that normally comes with it, but it basically says no way. You can fill in the blank about what ought to go there too. See, the, the idea is, wait a second. This is Christmas, and I got kids that I got to give presents to, grandkids, if you're in that age bracket. I, you know, we, I mean, by the way, does anybody know the economy around here sucks? Just letting you know. Okay? Good news is price has gone down. Bad news is wages have not gone up. So we want to hold on to as much that we possibly can. Or you may hear you have the attitude is, wait a second. My money is for what I want to make a decision about what to spend on. God has no business. Do you really want to finish that sentence? By the way, if you're here and you're not a believer, I am not talking to you at all. Can I just tell you that? This is not, you got worse problems. You don't have to worry about this. <laughs> See, you have to determine in this season and who you're going to be next year. That's the key. Not just now. Because you know what scares me the most about Christmas? Because some of you just want to do, and you want to do, and you want to do, and the thing is, you can't afford to do it. And you can't afford to do it because you are terrible at money management. Your credit card, I mean, you get through Christmas by just stacking up the credit card. And then you tr so try to pay it off the next year, but the problem is then something breaks. And you're charging more, and you're charging more. And I, I, I was going to look up, I didn't do it, but the average credit card balance over 10,000, okay, and you're barely holding on. 
And that is not the way that Christ says a disciple of Christ lives. God wants us to get our finances under control so we can give generously and not just struggle. So what often happens is you have the heart to give, but because your spiritual life is so out of control, you can't. And it means, I, I don't, by the way, this is not a sermon about guilt. I don't want guilt here. I want victory and freedom for you guys. And that means that as you get through this December, next year really ought to be about for you getting your finances under control and just really doing it right and putting God first in what you do. See, Christmas is about giving God giving more generously than any that you and I have ever done. He gave us his most precious son and he reaped billions of souls by doing it. I mean, God was the first broadcast sower. So, church... Here it is. God calls upon you to give generously. Now, second principle. God says when you do it, give cheerfully. Ha-ha! Get excited! They're passing that battle back. Now, I, I'm one of these guys, I don't put the check in the plate anymore. Okay? Um, it, 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 for some people, I, I know this one woman in our church. And I can talk about her now because she's not here. She is suffering. I can't say any more than that. She's suffering. But she'll show up just to drop off her check before she has to go home and do treatments. And I'm, I mean, she amazes me. She amazes me. Deuteronomy. Oh, no, no, wait, before I get to Deuteronomy. Now, I once had the... Man, I'm way ahead of myself. Verse 7. That we got to do verse 7 or it won't make sense. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, nor under compulsion. See, the bad thing about doing uh, giving sermons is I'm trying to build compulsion. But that's not biblical. It should never be that way. You can't have joy if you're giving out of guilt. You can't have joy if somebody's pulling your arm and saying, you've got to give or you're a bad person. That is never the way in God's sight. In fact, if you want to know the truth, God doesn't need your money. Now, the church does. Don't, get, don't forget that. But what God wants to know is what's your heart? What's your temperature? What's your spiritual temperature? What's going on in you? I, I once had a woman. Ask me, she, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use her, her ethnicity because it's significant to the story, but she was an African-American woman. And she said, Pastor, um, if I join your church, how much do I have to give? And I went, what? She said, well, my last church, and, and it was uh, an African-American church, and, and it, just, it was the culture, it's just the style of that. I had to give, you know, so much. And I, I wish I could tell you. But God said, no. you got to make the decision of what you're going to do in your own heart. Now, have you ever heard this complaint? This is so much fun. All churches want is our money. Uh, but I already wrote down a response to this, just to let you know. People who say things like this don't know Jesus 
or the Word of God. Now, let me give you some scriptural background here. Deuteronomy. But remember the Lord God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce what? Wealth. If you want to hold on to your own money, God can say, well, let's see how well you do. Look at verse 10 from our passage. He who supplies the seed. Now, who's the he? Okay, so God who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also, so I put the also there, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So if, if you look at this really careful, that God is the giver and not the taker. On both sides of the giving, God gives a seed beforehand so that we can sow generously, and then he gives the harvest afterward so that we are rewarded for our generosity. And both ends of the process, God is choosing to bless you. Now, my personal opinion is, if God's not blessing you, you don't have to give. Ta-da! You might also want to look what's going on in your life, that he's not blessing you, but the truth is, there's some of you that are living righteously, you're doing good, and man, life has just hit you upside the head, and it's hard. It is just hard. Hang in there. So let's look at the, um, go to the next slide. No, next one. There we go. So here are the guidelines. You put it together. You got generosity on top. You got cheerfulness on the body. But you, when you put them together, <coughs> that defines what it is to give spiritually. Okay? To be involved in the ministry of Christ. That's really what God's looking for. But the, the thing that we got to come up with is, but now, Jack, I don't feel joyful. I don't feel cheerful. It is not the season for me. I hear you. <coughs> but giving is based upon what you believe about God in his word. Now I'm, now I'm going to enter into some really difficult territory. We don't pursue feelings. We pursue Christ. I'm not feeling joyful. I don't have to give. Well, wait a second. No. God said, I don't really care what you feel right now. I want to know whether or not you're going to submit. I want to know whether or not you're going to give. I want to know what you're going to do with your life. And so what we discover is that faith precedes joy. Faith precedes joy. Obedience submits but it can have a bad attitude. I'm doing this because they're making me. And that decision is not a decision of faith. And I think this is why people who struggle with depression and, and, and uh, struggle with, with the concept of faith, we tend to rely on positive emotions for spiritual living rather than trusting God for who God is. In verse 14, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. God says you can do all this because of his grace upon you. I had a question, church. Do you really know, do you experience this grace that is upon you? God's favor that's already upon you. The work that God's already doing in your life. The way that God is already caring for you. 
Remember, most of the problems you and I have, not every one of you, but most of the problems that we have are the problems we caused ourselves. Because we made unwise decisions. The good news is God's got a plan out of that hole. So joy, my joy, when I talk about giving, uh, I want to remember that every dollar that I give for every meal, for every present that I give away, God has given me so much more that I can never pay it back. I can only pay it forward. And I admit, I'm an absolutely spoiled child. Does anybody know me? I'm a, I am. Um, so I, I'm not like some of you that, I mean, just life was not good for you. And that you're here today and that you survived, man, that's a miracle all in itself. And you need to be congratulated for that. And I will hope you would take joy, not in what happened to you. But God helped you move from being a victim into being a, a, a survivor. But what God wants you to do now is move from survivor to thriver. He wants something more in your life. And you've got to let go of some things so you can do more for God. Now, for this principle to work then, and we're getting there, you need power. To get the benefit of the Christian life, the joy, the power, the victory and stuff, you and I must exercise faith. So here's the big question. How can you give your life away if you won't give your money away? Really, you know, one of those spiritual terms. Give your life away. Yeah! But your money's got to follow. So now we're back to where we started. Beginning of the sermon. What's the purpose of our church? Love God. Love others. Serve. Now here's the thing. It's never about how much you give. It is always about how much you have left over. So there's this parable about the widow's mite in, in the New Testament. The basic story is this. Jesus is at the treasury and his disciples are looking at all the people putting money in there. And, in, and this time, we didn't give privately. We gave out in the open. And so you have these people doing really long prayers and honking horns and, and trumpets so they can throw in all their money in, in there. <laughs> and this one woman who's not dressed well at all, barely making it, comes in and she puts in two mites little less than one penny and out of all the givers Jesus points her out he says you know what makes her different than everybody else the others they gave out of their excess she gave out of her poverty it was all that she had I don't know how she did that could you imagine put yourself in her shoes she's walking home now she just gave up all her money. She's a widow. So therefore, she has no source of income. Okay? Women weren't allowed to work. And she's going to an empty home. And I'm going, that's not right! But you've got to get the rest of the story. Look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Listen to what God says. When faith comes first, you will be enriched in every way 
to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, see, the, the key concept I want you to pick up with it and to begin living is a concept of faith affirmations. Where am I? Faith affirmations. This is where I really need the clock to be working on your, your behalf. Because I got a lot of material. But anyway, go back to... Now, faith affirmation. I love this concept. I, I'm hoping... Uh, I'm going to preach again. At least I'm scheduled to preach again. After this one, Don may say no. Um, <laughs> hi, Don. Just everybody turn around and say hi, Don. There. The, um, faith affirmation. I, I think in March, I'm going to come back and I'll do a whole sermon on this. It's really, really big. The whole concept is, is really big. Faith affirmation is the difference between what you say you believe and living what you believe. Okay? Difference between what you say you believe and living what you believe. And so, we're people of the book, right? That's the Bible, not cartoons, right? Not Marvel comics, not going through that. We believe the word of God. We're already in trouble. I, I mean, I, you know, I went to a Bible college. I, I went to seminary, actually twice. Um, and so the thing is, I know more than I can possibly do. That's a bad thing about growing in Jesus. The more you know, the more you're held accountable for. So, but when I work with individuals, um, in, in counseling, and I do a lot of this stuff, they, um, I always talk about, well, first of all, are you, are you a believer? Because if you're not, I've got to figure out how we're going to work together because all my, my interventions are, are spiritually based. Okay? And, and, and so I need to know if it's going to work with them. And, and, I, and the first thing I say is, well, do you know Jesus? Yes, I do. Okay, how much time do you spend in the Bible? And, and almost always they're going to say, well, <laughs> we begin there and we start. Uh, but the thing is, when they're dealing with a problem, anybody, anybody in here have a problem? Just, just testing, just, okay. Um, so as we start dealing with a problem, I'm saying, okay, I need to know what you believe about the nature of your problem and the nature of what you believe about God. Is God bigger than your problem? Oh, yes! Oh, I love it when they do that. Okay, and how much are you trusting God to get you through this? Oh, no. Well, yeah, I, I do, but. I always say something like that. Yeah, I do, but. Well, the but is bad experience. The but is pain. The but is suffering. The but is how many times you tried, you tried, and tried, and it did not work. And I don't blame you. But what happened is, somewhere along the line, you stopped believing, therefore living, what you say you believe. And here's all the promises in Scripture about what God wants to do for you. And I want to know how well you're applying the promises of God to your life. See, Because if you're doing that, you're not going to have any problem with giving. Okay? None at all. None at all. Now, New Hope, if there's one thing, I even got this written down, just to make sure I say this, that I absolutely believe about you is that we do 
good. I, I don't know a church our size that does as much ministry as you do. Okay? I don't know a church our size that does a food ministry the way that we do it. Or hands out toys the way that we do it. Or just takes care of people around us the way that we do it. Okay? I get so excited about this stuff. I just like watching. It. It's fun. But you knew that was coming, huh? We do mostly easy. You do good when it's easy. And we do it together and we get it done. But mostly, didn't cost us that much. Now, food baskets this time, yeah, it was a little bit up. And I got to admit, it was a lot harder to do this time for a lot of you because incomes have gone down. So I recognize that. So if food prices have gone up and our income has gone down, what, the path that we take is the path of easy. We will do something. We will give. And that excites me. But we take the path of easy. Easy is the destroyer of faith. Easy is the destroyer of faith. How can we experience the power and the joy of Christ if we keep holding back? Now remember, the way that I define the problem so far is most of us mismanage our money. We're dealing with a lot of debt. We're dealing with low incomes. We're trying to make it through the Christmas season. Yeah, I mean, that we did 97 bags of food was fantastic. Okay? And some of you, it cost you a lot to do it. And others of you, it didn't cost you that much. You just did something. And somewhere in there, we got to come back to this concept of faith affirmation. How am I giving in ways that expresses my faith in God? How am I ministering that expresses my faith in God? Those of you that gave, okay, because you were able to do so, did that really express your faith? Now, if it did, wow, I'm happy. The rest of us probably took the path of easy. So I think one of the best indicators, I, I want to use this illustration, but I don't think it works anymore. How many of you actually have a checkbook? You, do you use it? You realize that everybody raised their hand is old. Oh, you, you do. Because everybody else used plastic. You know, I go into Winco, they make you pay out. You, you can't even use a credit card at Winco. You've got to use your, your debit card. It, it, so, so, but here's my illustration anyway. Your checkbook is one of the best indicators of how you express your faith. So for the rest of you, that means you've got to get your credit card statement out and look at all the places that you gave 
And which places did God hold? You really want to see what you're doing for God? Look at how you're spending your money. No. <laughs> Means my dad just fell. Oh, dear. They only call me when he falls. Okay, so when you're 97 years old, you got the right. Gravity doesn't hold you up as well anymore. They, um, so back to you guys. Where'd you go? No, your notes. Your notes. They, um, yeah, so it's really simple. You say, but Jack, wait a minute. You got to deal with reality. I've got all these commitments and so little to work with. Yeah. So, if you want to work with you, you just let me know. I'll set up a Bible study somewhere. We'll, we'll walk through on how to do finances. It's easy to do. You just, you'll just hate me the whole, whole time. Because I'm going to say, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. You can, but I want to do that! Which one is it? Which one is it? See, the thing is, we in America are under the tyranny of our finances. And even when we want to bless others, we're stuck. So my challenge to you today. What do you believe about God? Can God move you from where you're at to where he wants you to be financially? Okay, I'm not one of these health, wealth, and God's going to, you know, give you a Mercedes kind of preachers. Okay. Um, my, my truck is a 2012, and I, and I want to keep it for another 10 years at least. Um, I mean, just because it still runs. Somebody's saying, well, mine's up to, you know, a 1980, so come on, Jack, get over anything. I want you to be free from the tyranny. And I want you to be growing the Christian, the kingdom of God through your finances, through this church, in, in giving and in tithing and in, in giving generously. Because we can't depend on being the church we were. We got to create something brand new. And I really just want to challenge you to look at what you're doing financially and whether or not that's really pleasing to God. And the thing is, for you really to get where you need to be means you have to change your lifestyle. Oh, that hurts. And guess what? It's so much a part of your discipleship. So how... Can you give your life away if you're not willing to give your money away or don't have the means to? So we want to help you with that as a church. So bow your heads, close your eyes. They have, man, this is not a salvation message, but some of us feel like we need to be saved. I want you, this is not come down to the aisle and pray and do that kind of stuff. This is just very simply... You, if you're married, you and your partner, um, if it's just you as an individual, just before God, hey, God, you know I'm struggling here. How do I get out of this? How, what do I do? Now, 
if you want help with that, when we're singing, just take a family sharing card and say, I want a finance class. And it will only take a couple of weeks to do it. Put it together to show you how to begin turning things around. But it takes a year, sometimes two years to turn it around. Do you really want to become different, which causes you to have to work that hard? That's what I want you to ask God right now. That's what I want you to ask. Hey, God, what do you got to do in me so I can be the man, I can be the woman I need to be in such a way that what I say I believe, my faith affirmation about you, is you are blessing me, you are taking care of me, and I just want to give to somebody else. But you got to do it in ways that you, you can handle. It's never about how much you give, it's about how much you have left over. Father, I just want your, your blessing on this. I just give us wisdom as a church. I mean, this, this Christmas season, we're celebrating the greatest gift ever given. Help us give back. In Jesus' name.